0: So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Last Thursday, just last Thursday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average plummeted 1,862 points after Fed Chief Jay Powell made some downbeat comments about the economy. Just as coronavirus cases were spiking in the South and the West. Today, the Fed Chief once again made it clear that the economy remains weak. And we're seeing more gigantic coronavirus spikes in the south and west. Yet this time, the Dow surged 527 points. S&P jumped 1.90%. NASDAQ pole vaulted 1.75%. How is this possible? How is (laughs) it possible? One day it goes down gigantically. Same thing. Next time it goes up, there were two key differences. First, the Fed's planning to buy individual corporate bonds to ensure the companies stay afloat.
2: <laughs>
0: Nutty. Forget survival of the fittest. Pal's doing everything he can to limit the uh, carnage. Survival of everybody. Second, this morning, we had the biggest monthly retail sales gain in history, up 17 percent in May. That sounds very V-ish. In other words, we have a super accommodative Fed at the same time that we're getting much better data, which means the recovery has staying power. It means that if some near to well almost broke oil company or restaurant chain wants to issue bonds, the Fed would probably buy them. Now, I know there are a lot of skeptics out there who find this whole thing, this whole movement, specious, if not flat out. Fraudulent, fueled by clueless amateurs chasing momentum created by a slap-happy Fed desperate to print Weimar Germany-like money to avoid mass unemployment. If you listen to the big-time hedge fund managers who come on our network, well, they often make it sound like it's the most dangerous market they've ever seen. Of course, they said that about 10% ago and 15% ago, but they said it. The thing is, those amateur momentum chasers, they made a fortune, and the bears have kept you out of some incredible gains. Late last week, it looked like we might be having a reckoning, but now the bulls are ascending again. So what the heck is really happening here? More importantly, where are we headed? Okay, if you want to understand this moment, You actually need to look at stocks through the prism of one of my best teachers, Marty Zweig. I never met Mr. Mr. Zweig, but I watched him on Fridays when he'd go on Louis Rukeyser's Wall Street Week. And I hung on his every word. I used to say, oh, shut up, other panelists. Let Marty talk. Of course, I was only talking to the TV. Now I'm on TV. He had an unparalleled talent for making sense of the stock market for the commoner, for the beginner, the newbie, for me. Zweig helped democratize this business by explaining the market's reactions to the Federal Reserve and investors' collective reaction to the tape. Basically, he did what I try to do for you every night, but uh, I'm Zwa- knows why, but I am a devoted pupil. What would Why say about this moment? I can practically hear his tentorium, but low voice saying, don't fight the tape. Don't fight the Fed. Yeah, let me spell these two commandments out in more detail. First, don't fight the Fed means that you cannot bet against the Federal Reserve chairman who's committed to getting the economy going, and therefore the stock market going. Last week, Powell only gave us the bad news. It felt as though he was throwing it in the towel in the recovery, like he'd done all he can. Now he's just had to wait and see. Uh Uh-uh. Marco was in no mood for that wait and see move, and that's why we got crushed. This time, though, Powell goes all in, basically assures us there'll be no more bankruptcies. No bankruptcies. That means no layoffs from otherwise healthy companies that are short on cash and can't raise money. Now, everyone, save sadly small business, can raise money. That's huge. In the Great Depression, we were worried about the banks failing. Then they failed, and things got much worse. In the Great Recession, we were worried about the banks failing, and then they failed. And things got worse. Fed Chief Ben Bernanke stepped up finally and said he wouldn't allow any more banks to collapse. The Fed can print money, meaning they've got unlimited firepower. They just have to decide to use it. This time, Powell didn't wait for everything to fall apart. He moved aggressively to protect the banks. Now he's effectively backstopping the largest clients, too. And that's great for the banks, great for the clients. That is don't fight the Fed. What about Swag's second commandment, don't fight the tape? This one was so hard for me to understand. I mean, I, what, I had like $10, you know what I mean? When I first heard it, I said, what, what's the tape? I mean, like scotch tape? My dad sold scotch tape. Anyway, well, no, it's what's going on in the market because of the issues of the day. Right now, there's a lot of green on that tape. Hey, you can see it's actually underneath a lot. You ever see it that it says, like, you know, 3M and, you know, Ray- Raytheon? You get it, right? I mean, I would go down on the floor and do it, but this is a really nice suit. All right, anyway, why does this happen? Because even though COVID, I could do it anyway. I just get it cleaned. All right. I'm down here now with the tape. You see me with the tape, right? Okay. because even though COVID cases see it's right underneath me, even though COVID uh, cases are spiking, we got word that if doctors are using dexamethasone, that's a pretty mild steroid that I take, uh, I took for a while, I I switched to another one, they can dramatically lower the mortality rate for the worst, worst cases. The people who need breathing help off the shelf drug that costs almost nothing. I know. I took it. It was like a five buck copay job at Walgreens. Suddenly, this virus is a lot less deadly. That certainly influenced the tape. Remember, the tape is what's underneath me here. I'm caressing the tape. Okay, I'm caressing and I'm making the tape feel even better than it did. Then we got that incredible. Where's the Clorox wipes? I mean, who knows what's down there? Anyway, then we got that incredible retail sales number up 17 percent Clorox. Up 17 percent. So even as the Fed is throwing gasoline on the Kingsfords, that's a Clorox product. And they're already red hot. And that's how you get a conflagration of money looking for a home. And it finds itself on that tape that I just caressed so lovingly. Not lice. Oh, it's Clorox. Thank you. All right. Now, you see, you can't beat the army of buyers when they come in to love the tape. You can't. And see, don't fight this thing down here. Now, for the newbies who probably think that there really is a tape underneath me because they know so little and are watching the Davy thing, I'm buying all the cruise stocks to see the Royal and the, the Royal down at the end of the day. And the airlines, single-digit oil, they should be buying things like Apple. I know. Buy a percent, buy one share. What is that, the new fractional thing? Uh, Apple's flying. It was on a buy recommendation that absolutely, and I love the guy. I love the guy. Jim Suva, super guy. But it had nothing new. It didn't matter. And how about the hint of an infrastructure bill or whatever place? I'll have more on that later. Possibility that customers must be returning to previously closed stores. How else do you get that amazing 17% gain? Put it all together and you've got an unassailably bullish tape. There we go. Remember, it's underneath me just in case you can't find it. Ah, ah, baby. Ah. Only a tape would take it, ah, baby, with Clorox, which is the most deadly thing ever. Okay, anyway. That's why we love it. See, United Airlines teamed up with Clorox? I'm flying United! Boy, my arms are tired. Anyway, it doesn't mean you always have to go with the flow, all right? It doesn't. It doesn't mean you shouldn't make contrarian bets. But when you get this kind of buying, when nearly everything roars and you try to fight it, you're fighting history. Or you're certainly fighting history when the Dow went down 1,800 points last week and you didn't do some buying. Is it possible that the newbies understand this with their endless buying of the airlines, the cruise ships, No, but it really ought to mean something to the bearish hedge fund managers who spent months scaring people away from the stocks. They fought this thing underneath me. They fought it. They probably got shattered on. That's a never mind. Zwei sadly passed away before he could become one of CNBC. And he would explain this to all these people, including those new people who keep buying Royal Caribbean. I can't do it as well which is one reason why I'm so easily hectored and made fun of. Another one is because I'm down with my Brioni seat wipe, suit wiping the floor with claw wipes. But I know what I know. That's really smart. I know what I know. There's more syllogism for you. Don't fight the Fed and don't fight this. OK, this thing is underneath me. Sure, every now and then, they'll take a break like they did last Thursday. Just remember that they come right back after this, their day off. Yeah, you don't have to like it. And I know most of you don't. But the bottom line is that the Fed and the tape are on the side of the bulls, not the bears. And there's massive unemployment. It's horrible. And the disease is horrible. Everything's horrible. Right. It's just a horrible time. But the pain of the recession happens to be distributed unequally. It's hitting small, medium sized businesses. It's hitting minority businesses. It's hitting service economy businesses. It's hitting my barber, my bakery and even my local watering hole, which I happen to own. But it's leaving most large enterprises unscathed. And that's why publicly traded stocks can keep riding this wide wave. So either surf or take your board and go home and most definitely do this every 35 seconds, because that really makes life great. All right, let's go to Sean in New York. Sean.
3: Hey, Jim. A few weeks ago, you had Herb Jorn Hansen on the show, a CEO of Nordic American Tankers. And yeah. uh, the stock is in crashing since then. What do you think about these oil tankers and all the money they they've peaked. been making the last few months? They peaked.
0: They peaked. Oil went up really big. The trade occurred and now you got to move on. It was a trade. It worked fabulously and then it peaked and that's been the way of all shipping trades. Almost finished the way of all flesh, flesh, which is a decent book. Not a great book. Let's go to Jeanette in Maryland. Jeanette! Hi, Jim. I'm a first time caller, and my husband and I are retired and living off dividend interest. Okay. And would like to know your opinion on WPC Carry. Well, isn't that interesting? That's the first time in 16 years or 15 and a half that anyone has asked me about WPC Carry. And I, I, I you know, it's a REIT, sale, lease back REIT, and I hate to say it, but I don't like them. I know you're first-timer. Let's stick with the highest quality and stay away from most of the REITs, okay? The REITs, a lot of the REITs have a lot of trouble, and it's hidden because we don't really know what they own. I suggest Verizon. All right, let's go to Sam in Connecticut.
3: Sam. Hi, Sam. How are you doing today? I'm having just a dynamite day. How about you? I'm doing great. It's wonderful okay. to talk to you. I wanted to get your insight on iRobot Corporation. It's a really
0: good, good quarter. I can't, I can't hold it against it. That was, a, that was a very, very good quarter that I robot did. They delivered. I got to hand it to them. I think there's something there. All right, guys, listen to me. This time I'm, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to wear the cheapest mask, not the N95 that I have, Just, not the K95 from China, which I'm convinced does not work. But I'm telling you, don't fight the Fed and don't fight this thing that's underneath me. It's called the tape. And these two things are on the side of the balls. On Man Money Tonight, I'm sitting down with the CEO of McDonald's to find out if the company's back in business as it reopens most of its locations following the COVID-19 shutdown. Then, is it time to start selling some of the sleep near pandemic plays? I'm going off the charts to find out. And is Canopy turning over a new leaf? I'm going to sit down with the CEO to find out what's ahead. How many times do you do this a day? How many times do you do this? When you brush your teeth, you go like that? Sometimes I do that. I wear them constantly. I hate them. Stay with Kramer.
1: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to at cnbc.com. or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? head to madmoney.cnbc.com. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences the network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC. I didn't even
0: have been waiting for this interview. Uh, it kept, I kept telling you that the smaller restaurants are going to be steamrolled by this COVID-19. I know that because I'm in the business. Can't make money in a world of mandatory social distancing. Unless the government bails the little guys out, unlikely the future of the restaurant industry belongs to the big boys. The big chains, chains like McDonald's, with its thousands of drive through lanes, great balance sheet and terrific management. Yet when the Golden Arches released its May same-store sales day, nobody seemed to care. Their May numbers increased substantially versus April, and they were only down 5% year over year. Even better, 95% of the locations around the world have reopened in some capacity. That's amazing. Unfortunately, you had so many other hot stocks today, this one only got rallied about 1%. That's nuts. So let's take a close look with Chris Kempchensky. He is the new C- president and CEO of McDonald's. Get a clear picture of where stuff is headed. Chris, welcome back to Mad Money.
2: Hey, Jim, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here.
0: All right. First, Chris, congratulations. How are you able to get so many restaurants open at a time when many companies are struggling in your business to get 40 to 50 percent of them open?
2: We have an incredible system. Ninety-five percent of our restaurants are open. It's a a true team effort. I think this is where uh, our franchise model is a huge advantage for us. And so uh, we've been able to work uh, with all of them to put in place a number of safety procedures. uh, And we're well on our way to being uh, almost 100 percent open. So it's, it's been a great team effort.
0: Well, the team is also part of you because you have spent $200 million making sure that your franchisees are up to snuff. That's got to be a terrific burden lifted from them knowing that the, that the main office is backing them.
2: Yeah, for us, we, we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to support the franchisees, particularly on the recovery side. We think that uh, as we come out of this, there's an opportunity for McDonald's globally. We our aspiration is we want to be taking share in every single market. And so uh, the couple hundred million dollars that you referenced is uh, for additional marketing support uh, for us to get after it uh, for the balance of this year.
0: OK, so let's talk about a presentation made at Evercore uh, where you talk about what has to go on inside. And it's inside that I'm most worried about. I like to take candidly to take my PC and new McDonald's, sit by myself, bro, uh, you know, not uh, taking up a table, i have my egg McMuffin or my my white flour egg, egg, uh, big sausage, and I'll say, hey, you know what? This is the greatest. I'm now wondering how many of me can you fit into one of these stores and whether there aren't people who say, hey, you know what? I can't sit down.
2: The safety of our customers is certainly something we're spending a lot of time uh, thinking about and making sure that we can uh, provide them with with a safe environment. Uh, right now, we have about 1,000 of our restaurants in the U.S. where the dine-in is open, and we're doing a number of things there, social distancing certainly, uh, making sure that we have enhanced uh, sanitation in the restaurant, uh, going to contactless, uh, a number of things there. But, uh, but I think you're, you're hitting on something which is uh, certainly for the short term, uh, it's going to be a different environment in the dine-in, uh, and, and right now we've only got 1,000 open. We expect that number will grow uh, over time. But it won't be back to uh, the way things were pre-COVID because there still is concern around safety and making sure uh, that we're abiding by all the health measures that uh, as others are suggesting.
0: Chris, don't we just needed a vaccine? I mean, we really got to have a vaccine to way to get things back to normal.
2: I totally agree. I, I think until we have a vaccine, what we've seen in other markets, the consumer is still going to be concerned about safety. They're going to be making kind of this uh, unconscious cost-benefit trade-off. Right. Uh, We do need a vaccine. I think certainly our expectation, though, is that uh, a vaccine is probably, uh, you know, call it 12 to 18 months away. It doesn't mean it won't necessarily be developed, but by the time it's deployed and approved, uh, we we think we've got a while before we're post-vaccine, let's just say.
0: And what I'm shocked about, again, I don't think people realize in terms of throughput, Maybe it's because I'm in this business. How have you been able to get the throughput so fast on the drive-thru? What are you doing?
2: Drive-thru has been really a fantastic uh, asset for us. 95% of our restaurants in the U.S. have drive-thru. One of the things that we did early on is we went to a limited menu, and we made sure that uh, the products that we were serving, that we could do it as quickly as possible. Our drive-thru times uh, are 25 seconds faster right now. Uh, in part because of, uh, of going to limited menu, but also uh, it's really been a, a full court press to make sure we've got the proper positioning and all those other things. We, we know how to run drive-throughs, and I think our system's shown uh, through this crisis that uh, we've actually got uh, even more capacity than we maybe even realized going into it.
0: I know that I have spoken to you several times about. I'm not going to hit you on on me or or, or or beyond me because it's very It's very difficult. Oh come on! To do.
2: I would miss it if you didn't. All
0: right, well, then maybe we'll go there. But the thing that I am concerned about is, you know, I wanted loyalty plan. You know, you were there. It's very hard to slow down the line, and yet that's what a loyalty plan does.
2: You're right. We have loyalty in a number of other markets outside the U.S. Typically, those markets have less drive-through penetration. Uh, We are going to be looking and testing at at how do we bring loyalty into heavy drive-through markets like the U.S. Uh, I'm pretty confident we're going to figure it out. But you're right. We we have to make sure that uh, we're enhancing the customer experience with the loyalty program. Uh, One surefire way to not enhance the experience is to slow it down. And so how do we find that trade-off? Um, but I, I expect that we're going to be able to announce something, uh, you know, within a reasonable period of time that uh, shows how we're going to do that.
0: OK, I am actually about to be this. But first, I want to ask about something more important. You have diversity at your company, diversity in your board. Uh, how much does it mean for your company?
2: I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you on that one, Jim. You if you could great, come back. You have great uh, diversity. Time.
0: You have great diversity on your board. Your company's always been committed to diversity. What does it mean for your bottom line to have that?
2: Sure. I think for McDonald's, diversity is uh, something that is critically important for us. And frankly, I think because of the nature of our business, we have probably an extra uh, ordinary uh, responsibility on this topic. Seventy percent of the crew in our restaurant are uh, diverse uh, from, from a race standpoint. Uh, We've been on this uh, for 50 years to try to make sure that we have uh, the right diversity and inclusion programs. I'm proud uh, to say we've probably, at McDonald's, created more millionaires within the black community than probably any other corporation on the planet. But there's still work to do. We're certainly not perfect. Uh, We're talking with our franchisees about how do we continue to make sure that we're bringing in uh, diverse franchisees Uh, One of the things that we're doing also on the talent recruitment side is making sure that we're really prioritizing hiring at a diverse level. And then we have a great group of diverse suppliers as well. So uh, I think for us, diversity is something that has to touch every single aspect of the business. We've had a lot of conversations uh, about that in the last uh, couple months with uh, the entire McDonald's system. And it was, uh, I think, really powerful to just hear how committed everybody is uh, to making sure that we stand out in that. And, and certainly that starts with me.
0: All right. That is more millionaires, more minority millionaires. You should be proud. OK, can I when am I going to get my beyond meter? we just still testing.
2: <laughs> Remember, I said, Jim, when not if it will come. But uh, you would help me if, if you encourage your friends to go out and buy it, because uh one thing you will always know about mcdonald's is if it if it sells we'll put it on the menu so i will you know uh, i encourage maybe, I uh, go, I've,
0: I've never hidden from you how much i love to go to mcdonald's
2: <laughs> no you do and i appreciate the support and I, and I know you are uh passionate we've been back and forth on on the plant-based and so uh, I look forward to the day when I can announce it, and we'll go to a McDonald's together and enjoy one. You
0: bet we will. It is so good to see you. I'm so glad you came on Money. Mad Money, Chris, thank you so much.
2: All right. Thanks, Jim. Okay. That's Chris
0: Kaczynski. I'll tell you, Chris is doing a great job. He's president of McDonald's. This is an inexpensive stock. I never thought I'd say that, but that's what it's become. And they are going to be the winner. Mad Money's back after the break. Last night, I told you it's a mistake to get too negative. Today, showed you why. But do we need to take a more aggressive approach after this hat trick of good news, steroid that makes a severe case of COVID a lot less lethal, some incredible retail sales numbers, and the White House floating a trillion-dollar infrastructure package? For a while now, I've been recommending a barbell strategy where you own a bunch of COVID winners and then also some of the higher-quality recovery plays. That way, you've got something that works if the pandemic keeps rolling and something that works if we beat this virus and the economy takes off. I think the barbell still makes sense. The future's uncertain. There are entire industries that can't fully recover until we get a vaccine. And even in the best case scenario, that's months away. In the meantime, COVID cases are spiking across the sunbelt. On the other hand, the economy's clearly rebounding faster than we expected even if some of that strength in May was pent-up demand. Plus, I have faith that we'll keep getting more positive headlines on the science front, more news like that dexamethasone result we got today. I took that drug. You know, it's really, it's, a, it's generic, doesn't cost much, and it, it makes you feel better. At least it, it's, a, it's about swelling. So could it be time to start selling some of the sleepier pandemic plays, the kind of consistent ones like Costco? A member of the Kramer COVID index that I think is a huge winner here because their stores are probably the safest place to shop in person. However, the stock has been sedate lately, and it's not exactly the kind of thing that Wall Street gets excited about during recovery because it's such a steady eddy. Now, I love both the store and the stock I am and have been a big believer in the story, visited them earlier this year. Can't believe it was this year. It's been so long. I think it's a terrific long-term investment, which is why we own it for the Travel Trust. But is it something you want to own right now, or does it make sense to swap out of it here and then swap back in at a later date if you are trading-oriented? To answer that question, it's important to take our emotions out of the equation. That's why we're going off the charts with Tim Collins, a brilliant technician. ColinGetRealMoney.com. Get a more quantitative and empirical read on Costco stock. That means unemotional. And when it comes to Costco, Collins finds himself worrying about the opportunity cost. Opportunity cost. Okay, measure those words. And he thinks the stock hasn't been doing very much. If it keeps flatlining, you might be better off swapping into something more aggressive, more lively. And that's exactly what he's predicting. Not a sell-off, not a meltdown, just a long, boring summer. If you're actively managing your money, you don't want to keep it parked in stocks that go nowhere. If that's not your style, maybe you're closer to the buy and hold side that I have. And don't worry about it. But for those of you who are nimble, this, this segment is for you. This is, one of those, this is a Robin Hood segment, OK? But I'm a man in tights. Okay. here's the deal. Collins is so confident that Costco's in for a period of relative underperformance because of this. He's got a deceptively simple method here that relies on three moving averages. He's got the 10 day and that is the green. He's got the 20 day and that is the red. And he's got the 50 day. Let's call that the blue. The 10 day shows you the short term trend. The 20 shows you the uh, medium term trend. The 50 is long term. Bear with me. Take a look at these three moving averages on the daily chart. It's one of the most straightforward charts you're ever going to see. No bars, no dots, no support, no resistance lines. Uh, Just the three simple moving averages, of 10, 20 and 50. What can this picture tell us? All right. You see how all three moving averages have converged in the recent weeks? That on its own would be fine. What matters to Collins, though, is how these three lines come together. Generally speaking, when a short term moving average goes above a long term moving average, that's considered bullish because it means the trend's improving. But. If the short-term ones, as exhibited by the 10-day, okay, go below the long-term ones, as as, uh, represented by the blue and the red... That's bearish. And it's for the same reason. It means the action is getting worse. Unfortunately, Costco now finds itself in that second scenario. Both the 10 and 20 day moving averages dip below the 50 day, a classic bearish crossover. Why does it matter? Because over the past eight months, we've seen this kind of bearish crossover twice, going through December and then again going into March. Both times, Costco stock experienced weeks of lackluster performance. It wasn't terrible. It just went sideways. Again, Collins isn't saying Costco's headed lower. He just thinks it's there are the better places to go. He's and he's picking up something similar from Costco's weekly chart. Okay, remember this is weekly. Uh, the dotted line represents the twenty day. Okay, this is the twenty day. Simple moving average along with an envelope. The solid lines show you that moving average plus or minus 2.5%. Now, in 2019, Costco roared ahead, right? It's a contrary stock. But that that rally petered out late last year. When that happened, the stock fell below its 20-week moving average and spent the next month in purgatory. Eventually, Costco's stock recovered. However, last week it fell through the 20-week moving average. OK, it's currently around three or two, right about where, above where the stock's trading. Collins says he's calling this a yellow flag. Not necessarily reason to sell, but definitely reason to be cautious. If the stock keeps going, keeps falling and goes below the lower envelope, down 2.5 percent from the week moving average, way too close for me. Then that is a red flag. Why? Again, it's all about the history. In the past, when Costco sinks below that lower bound, the stocks continue to perform poorly for weeks, even months Right now, Costco's teetering on the brink of that level, which is not far from here. Remember, it takes that out. Then you're going to have some serious underperformance, and that is very worrisome. Put it all together, and this is a very big week for Costco's chart. If the stock can finish the week in the black, Collins thinks the bulls just bought some time. But if it closes lower for the week on Friday, bad sign. Let me give you my view. Like I said, I love Costco stock. Love Costco shopping. I think they're poised to take a ton of market share during this period where we have a reopened but socially distant economy and people feel safer shopping there because you gotta wear a mask and I gotta wear a mask and the aisles are sixteen feet. But Costco simply isn't the kind of stock people buy when they're enthusiastic about Mercury open for business. They would rather buy the stocks of lesser retailers who really need the economic winds blowing at their backs. That's historical and it's true. All that said, Costco's got great management, great fundamentals, great prices. They reported a strong quarter at the end of May. I think it's an excellent long-term investment. I think people want to feel safe when they shop, and you can do that. I think flitting in and out of it is ridiculous. You have no obligation to trade this thing. You have my blessing to sit tight. But the bottom line, the charts, as interpreted by Tim Collins, suggests that Costco's already sleepy stock might be headed for a period of real underperformance. He recommends looking for better opportunities elsewhere this summer, something that would be justified by short-term history for certain. So if you're nimble, if you think you can get picked in and out in August, I think he's got a point. Long term, though, I'm not playing that game. I'm a fan. Ron in Ohio. Ron. Hey, Jim. Great show. Thank you, Um, Ron. I bought Target on Thursday afternoon after everything went down, thinking, hey, this is a great buy because it's COVID-19 winter and it's going down and went down on Friday. Everything went up. The, the airlines
1: went up. The cruise ships went up. This thing kept going down.
0: Wonder why. Well, OK, so Target came out with a good number. It wasn't perfect. But Target's got a 2% yield. Brian Cornell's doing a good job. I think the stock is fine. It's 21 times earnings. I think you can do well in Target. It's one of the survivors. But right now, other stores that have been closed that were competition are now open. So people have to go sample those stores. They remember them. They were Target new Target fans. And now they're going back to Target. Don't worry about it. I think you're in good shape. Let's go to Jeff in Indiana. Jeff.
2: Hey, Jim. I hold stock in Spirit Aerosystems. They're a supplier for Boeing. And last week, Boeing told them to slow down production. They've also dropped about 65% since the sell-off in March. Should I hold them? Hold them and buy.
0: buy. I think you should actually buy. I think that that was a false tell. I know everybody freaked out when they did that. I actually believe in the company. I think Spirit's a well-run company, and I'm bullish on Spirit, okay? I think they're going to pull through this thing without a problem. They are totally lieber to Boeing, though, because Wichita, Kansas was actually a spinoff at one point. All right, Costco's become a sleepy pandemic play. It's too simple. It's too boring. I like boring. The charter says there are better short-term opportunities. Uh, amen. You go buy Coals, But for the long term, ah, call me a fan. Much more made money. At it. At what point will it be safe to revisit the pot stocks? I'm sitting down with the CEO of Canopy Growth to find out what he's seen. Then, with rumors that an infrastructure bills are on the horizon, which stocks could benefit the most? I'm giving you my take. And, of course, after our show, there's a special about the market. I really want you to see that. And don't forget my calls rapid fire in the lightning round. Stay with Kramer. will be safe to revisit the pot stocks. I mean, last year, the cannabis cohort collapsed. Not enough demand, too much supply. Pricing fell through the floor. If you stuck with the group, you got smoke. (laughs) Then COVID-19 hit and they got hammered Again. But a funny thing happened. The lockdown was great for legal pot sales. I mean, after all, people had a lot of time to kill. Suddenly, the marijuana name started making a comeback, which brings us to Canopy Growth, one of the higher-quality pot plays that stumbled badly last year. After bottoming at nine bucks in March, this stock exploded higher, surging to twenty-two in change by late May. But then Canopy reported, and the numbers were disappointing. A big top and bottom line miss, in part because the company's going through a serious, expensive restructuring, paring back its international ambitions. Even worse, management described 2020 as an investment year. You know, that's code for something that Wall Street hates to hear. It means a lot of spend and not a lot of sales, especially when there was such a snapback in sales for the rest of the industry. In response, the stock fell 20% in a single session, and it's been stuck in the mid-hot to high 20s ever since. Can it turn itself around? Let's check in with David Klein, the relatively new CEO of Canopy Growth, but he's a formerly the CFO and a great CFO of Constellation Brands, which is Canopy's largest shareholder. Mr. Klein, welcome to Mad Money.
3: Yeah, it's great to be here, Jim.
0: All right, David, I know you as a hard-nosed business person. I know you as a person who is about the numbers, who is about winning, who is about taking share and taking names. The, your predecessor burned through about $3 billion. What is it like to come in and can you save this outfit?
3: Yeah, I don't think it's about saving, Jim. I, I was tasked by the board when I came in to ensure that Canopy would be a multi-year high growth story with a clear path to profitability. And, and you know, I think we've got all of the, piece, the pieces in place to, to make that happen uh, in, in reasonably short order. Okay, so which which are the best paths?
0: Because I know you pulled back from a lot of things. looks like medicine's out, growing's out. It's like New York is growing out. You're closing greenhouses. But you've got new product. You've got a breadth of product. You've got some edibles. And you have drinks. Which are going to be the stars?
3: Well, look, I think the drinks are going to be something really special. And, and, and the reason that I would pick on drinks is that you know there are oh, there's a large uh, number of people that haven't tried cannabis but intend to in fact in in Canada, seventeen percent of the adult population claims that they intend to try cannabis but haven't in the last twelve months. Those people are not going to enter the category by smoking, so we need to give them another reason to enter the category and then when you when you look at our drinks, we can um, make our drinks taste like. Literally anything that we want. So we can meet the consumer need there. We get an onset time of about 10 minutes, which is equivalent to, to a, a drink of alcohol. We can have an effect that kind of equates to about a glass of wine or a beer. And we can do that, Jim, in a way that has zero calories and zero carbs. These things are outstanding in terms of the experience they give. I think they're better than seltzers and I can't wait to get them in more and more people's hands in Canada, and then bring them to the U.S. through our partner, Acreage, as soon as we possibly can. So, David, what this
0: sounds like is this
3: was the beauty of what I always loved
0: about the deal. I always thought we combine your sense about money and your ability to create taste with a product that is better than the old Miller Lite. You know, less filling, no filling great taste so you're telling me this is happening and you know i'm going to use a term that we would use if you and i were at home you're telling me you can get me a good buzz where i'll be fine not to drive i know that but a good buzz without calories
3: i'm, I'm telling you that i'm also saying that unlike unlike alcohol where the effect of the buzz if you will is based upon maybe the mood you're in or or what you've eaten that day we can dial in that buzz a little bit when you're talking about cannabis because we can give you a relaxing experience, we can give you an invigorating experience. So there is a lot that we can do uh, with with this next generation uh, set of cannabis products. And that's why why early on, I'm spending money to get more and more consumer insights so that we know what's gonna be necessary to bring consumers into the category. We already have what I believe is best in class science from the perspective of plant science formulation and most importantly, human effects. Uh, And I think we're going to be able to put these together and create quite a quite an amazing experience for our consumer set.
0: Okay, so uh, do you know how to calculate the THC into uh, what would be the proof? So I would be knowing what I'd be drinking.
3: Yeah, so we need to do a lot of consumer education in that regard. Um, In our drinks, we uh, the drinks that we say equate to a glass of beer are about two to two and a half milligrams of THC. Um, you know, and, and we, but we need to we need to educate consumers so right. they understand almost the equivalent of, you know, consumers understand an ABV. So they know the, the amount of alcohol that's in a drink right. and they can take a guess as to the effect now, it has on them. Now, Dave,
0: our country is strapped. There are whole cities and states that are bankrupt. Will they not look to canopy growth? next election or whenever in order to be able to make up some of the budget deficit, because I can't believe that I can have something that tastes better than beer with no calories. And you know what I want to do? I want to set up a bar separate from my bar that I can sell your product. Can both those things happen within the next couple of years?
3: I think so. My assumption is that uh, 2022 for me is the magic number. I think as you, as you watch more and more states um, move to legalization for medical or rec, you really bring in almost two more senators each time who are really going to feel compelled to not make criminals out of the people in their state who are doing what's 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 legal uh, in in their particular state. And yeah, the revenue opportunity is huge. I've seen some really large numbers in terms of the ability uh, or the, the the amount of cash flow that would come into the government as a result of just a normal excise tax regime, you know, not to mention that it doesn't make sense that cannabis isn't legal already. Uh, Alcohol prohibition hit, you know, 87 years ago and uh, not really sure why cannabis was left off that list. Well, look, I I am so glad you're there. As
0: much as as I enjoyed your predecessor, Bruce Linton, um, Bruce was fine, but you're a business person. I like business people because I care about stocks. David Klein, CEO of CanV Growth, CGC. 2022 is the magic year. Stay with Kramer. It is time. It's time for the lightning bolt of Recco Run. And then lightning And then lightning Are you ready, ski? Daddy, time for the lightning round. of money. Run. We'll Let's start with jose in georgia jose hey jim booyah booyah just wanted to say first of all thank you for being a uh, guiding light during these very times appreciate it man need it my, of my, question, my, my question is around cody
3: they're undergoing a, a transformation right now it's Iron a spec
0: blue. look it could go to seven I and mean, it's just a spec Man, I'm a Procter and Game. I'm an Estee Lauder guy. Okay, I'm an EL guy. I bet you make more money with Estee order over the next year than you do with Cody. How about we go with Ron in New Jersey? Ron, booyah from the Garden State he- of Tomatoes, Jim. Nothing better. What's your happening? Input on Alamos Gold. No, no, no. We're buyers of either Newmont or or, or, or Barrick. We bring one only the highest on this show. I need to go to Daniel, Massachusetts. Daniel, my brother. Hi Jim. Yeah. Yo. Thank you very much for taking my call. My pleasure. I think you have a, I think you have a great show. Oh, thank you. What's your what's your advice on Pinterest? Okay, I thought Pinterest went down unnecessarily. I'm see someone came on today and said they thought that Snap was doing really well. Well you know what? I snap's doing better than it was. So's Pinterest. Let's buy some Pinterest. And Ben, I miss you. Okay, partner, give me a call. He's the CEO. Let's go to John in New York. John! Jimbo, John from Melville, New York. How you doing, buddy? First John. time caller. Oh, yeah, man, Melville. Hey, named after the guy who wrote the Moby Dick. What's going on? Listen, I want to know what you think about me teeing up some Callaway golf stuff. I'm loving Eli. That stuff's one of the few sports you can do. You can play it. Got to bring your own ball. My wife tells me that. She golfs. She must be a CEO. Let's go to Mark in California.
1: Mark. Hey, Jim, appreciate you having me on, bro. I wanted to thank you. I've made a lot of money during this COVID-19 pandemic with your recommendations. So thank you very much. I'd like to ask you about Nokia, ticker symbol November. I'm I'm hearing good
0: things. I'm hearing good things. After a period of probably like 20 years, I'm actually hearing good things about Nokia. You know, I'm not kidding. So, I mean, even though I think that it's like, you know, it's like like 7G by the time it gets there, I'm okay with it about, oh, Levon, Le, Levon, Levon in Florida.
3: Booyah, Jim, proud member of the Kramer cadre since 2005. Hey, man. Hey, the symbol's E.C., I wanted to get your take on Blackstone Group increase
2: to seven percent.
0: Well, you know, Lee Cooperman recommended ET uh, yesterday, Kelsey. I'm not a fan. I'm a fan of Lee, but I don't like the I don't like the um, the companies that I would describe as being pipeline companies. I think they're I think they are. So I'm going to say take a pass. I need to go to Kevin in Texas. Kevin, Jimmy, chill. Fly go fly. Yo, what's happening? I got
3: a question about Yeti.
0: I like industry. Yeti. The world is hated. The world is wrong. I like it. I was very chill today on Twitter. I'm sorry if I hurt anybody's feelings, but I meant it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
1: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
0: Right, all day we heard these noises about the president, and the infrastructure bill, considering a trillion dollar one. I mean, what does that do for the market? What does it mean? First, let's be clear. We don't know if the president will actually roll this thing out. And if it does, Congress will probably kill it. Republicans in the Senate hate spending money. The Democrats in the House, they don't want to hand Trump a victory a few months before the election. But for a moment, let's just fantasize. Let's consider what a trillion dollars of infrastructure spending would mean for the stock market and try to make some money off of it. Immediately, we see a surge in orders for Vulcan Materials and Martin Marietta Materials, the two biggest and best aggregate companies. Think asphalt, concrete, crushed gravel, everything you need to build roads. Both these companies are very, very strong, and they've always done well, even when they only have a trickle of orders from state governments. I cannot imagine how profitable they'd be with a trillion dollar infrastructure package from the federal government. If you want to own one, I prefer Martin Marietta. They blanket the South, have the ability to go North and East, and even far West, though their exposure there is weaker. I like Martin Marietta because even if we don't get an infrastructure bill, you'll do very well, just from the great state projects that they do, and because the home building-related business, home building's on fire. You might have listened to Stuart Miller today from Lennar. Remember, beyond roads, aggregates are all about housing development. So right now, housing is red hot. Who else wins if McConnell and Pelosi play ball on this? There are always buyers of U.S. concrete, which is why it surged 22% today. Honestly, I don't trust this one. U.S. concrete's been a serial disappointment. If you bought it every time we had a whiff of the possibility of an infrastructure bill, you would have lost a fortune. It spikes, then it goes right back down when we realize there's no legislation coming. With out massive federal spending u s concretes hostage to gigantic office projects and bridges, even though we 're coming out of recession i don 't expect those kinds of projects to bounce back anytime soon Now, I know people like caterpillars in infrastructure play, but today 's six point rally comes at a time when cat 's larger business, oil and gas, is still in a house of pain. Where does Chesapeake Energy's sickening slide toward bankruptcy? Caterpillar doesn't work without a bill. Too risky for me, at least from these levels. Better to own United Rentals, though that rally today took away a lot of upside. Then there's the truly logical pick with less risk. It's called Nucor. It's the best steelmaker on earth. I like Nucor because it's a buy no matter what. And even with the stock up nearly six, uh, more than 6% today, it's still down roughly 20% for the year. I've been eyeing this one for my charitable trust because we sold it in the 60s. Now I'm bragging. Not that long, though. And then it collapsed to the 40s when the recession hit, and I'd like to come back in it, yields 3.6. Finally, the original Bloomberg report mentions that the president wants to build out the Internet, including 5G. We recently heard from an alpha called Fastly with a really good stock content delivery network that makes sure the applications you use over the web uh, actually run smoothly. According to Fastly, millions of lower income Americans still have garbage Internet access that's too slow for work or school. Can you imagine if this COVID thing continues? What another handicap for these poor people? I'm not sure how you play an Internet infrastructure build out. But I think it would be a great idea. Sadly, all of this seems like a pipe dream right now. But maybe, just maybe, Congress will surprise us and agree with the president because it would be good for America. I want you to stick with Kramer and stick with CNBC. I'm going to give you a little sneak peek of what my buddy pal friend Scott Wapner, a Redskins fan, maybe they play, has on tonight.
1: Tonight at 7 p.m. Airlines toughen their stance on requiring passengers to wear masks. So how safe is it to fly? Plus, the head of the nation's largest African-American-owned bank on today's challenges from his perspective. And how a Miami nightclub and restaurant owner is combining the two to get people excited about dining out again. All tonight at 7 p.m. with Scott Wapner.
0: me that Clorox. I think i to wipe the tape so people know how strong it is. Okay. It's stronger than Clorox. This Canopy Growth seemed really good. Now, it is a 2022 story, I know, but maybe what you could do, would you ever be willing to put away a stock for like six weeks? Or do you have to like sell it tomorrow and buy it back tomorrow, buy Royal Caribbean up and then sell it down? Why don't you think about something like this guy who's been running who used to be a Constellation, is so great. Canopy may be for you because it's cannabis. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer.
1: See you tomorrow.